This episode of Ear Buddies is brought to you by Borders Group Incorporated. The bookstore chain uh, and music retailer, don't forget about that, uh, that, uh, well, it went away in 2011, but we still, well, they're back. Yeah. We'll get into it later. It's Borders Group. I'm Donna Summer. And I'm Niall Rogers. And this is Disco Buddies. Hello, my dude. Hello, my good dude. Disco music. That's right. You said it, Tim. (laughs) That's disco music. What is it? (laughs) (laughs) How are we doing so far? (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, everybody out there in Ear Buddies land in the army, you can tell this is going to be a good one because of how much fun we're already having. Um, (laughs) Disco music, what is it? What's it all about? How... Do, do you like it? How mm. can you can can you dance to it? You can dance to it. Uh, you must. You, you have to. It's fun. It's uh, it's back. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's experiencing a continued resurgence in the modern era. Uh, it's disco music. I mean, I think we've said all there is to say about it. <laughs> Your buddies will continue in a moment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right from the jump, Tim, we're having a blast. Uh, the Stardust Pistol you know, goes off, and we are, we are just off to the races. That's the sign of a good pod, buddy. We're <laughs> ready at the drop of a hat to entertain and uh, and inform <laughs> and educate. <laughs> Pal, today, it's all about... Four on the floor. Mm. It's all about those pants. <laughs> it's all about I popped a quaalude, Ooh. and my arms and legs are gone as far as I can tell. And uh, it's time to dance, buddy. Time to talk about disco music. And I think uh, this is going to basically just be an episode of You're Wrong About. Mm. Yes, another uh, good podcast that we uh, invented. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a segment. Right, this is a new segment called "You're Wrong About." I think the idea today is to consider. How and why time washes away uh, political or cultural context of music. Mm, Like a pebble in a river over the ages, it becomes Mm -hmm. more and more smooth and easier to handle. Mm -hmm. Even though at the beginning, it was pretty rough and pretty thorny. Exactly. You know, think about like CCR. You know, Fortunate Son is just a song now. But at the time, uh, 
you know, it was a strong rebuke of of the Vietnam War and, and rich people doing their thing. But now it's just a song that plays on classic rock. Bruce Springsteen, born in the USA. Same deal. Like, yeah, yep. You get far enough removed from the moment. It, it, it just doesn't exist anymore because music is just it's just tunes, man. All you have to do is listen and they can't force you to consider the context when you're just listening to the radio or a playlist on Apple Music or whatever. That's right, but here at Ear Buddies, we can and we will force you to consider the context. Exactly. That's exactly it, Tim. And I'm, I'm excited for this, Tim, because, you know, since our New Year's resolutions, um, mm-hmm. we haven't really had, I guess, we haven't really allowed ourselves, I suppose, yeah. because we are running the programming of this <laughs> podcast, to, uh, we haven't allowed ourselves the moment to get into sort of being the king of context yeah. but so i'm really looking forward to seeing um kind of what we can what we can learn about that style of music that we call disco and man i don't know anything about anything generally but the uh the sort of whitewashing of disco and, and separation from context and, and cultural significance. I wonder if with disco, it just has to do with the fact that the beat is just so great, you know? Yeah. This music just plays itself. You just groove around and it doesn't... It, yep. it, there's, it's very easy with this stuff to just shut the brain off. And that was kind of the point of disco all along, is just to... Just to get down, you know. Yeah, no, that's that's. I mean, I think that's a great place to start in this discussion because it's 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 so it it plays itself, like you yeah. said. You know, you you kick it off and it just cooks. Yep. And and uh, it's fun. It's a good time. It's maybe like a good stupid time. Yeah. And it doesn't really ask you to to. I mean, as as complex and, and maybe uh, complicated as the arrangements and the production, etc., can be, mm-hmm. uh, for once, I'm not going to fall into that hole here. Um, <laughs> I think like that is it's just it's just good it's just good music and it's good, it's, it's good dancing tunes. Thanks to uh, probably Saturday Night Fever. It's so mm. easy to to picture disco in the 70s and and like picture the moment for disco and yet still totally miss uh, the undertones of what was happening and um, why it ultimately became you know kind of a, a problem. Absolutely. yeah, I mean I, you know you think well, I'll say this speaking for I don't know, the public, you think about disco, and it's largely it's white, yep. and it's like the Bee Gees probably. Mm-hmm. And if it's black, it's not it. You know, doesn't matter that it's black, and you're not. It's probably not gay, but you're never going to think about it that far to think maybe it is, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's and, it, and all that context is is, I mean erased or at least fully ignored because why why dig that deep totally and so i think what we should do is kind of clarify what was going on here 
uh, throughout the 70s. And that is, yeah, disco balls. Uh, yeah, fun lights. Yeah, sort of those corny looking dances. The hustle, etc. That's all true. That was all there. Goofy looking outfits. But there was also, very importantly, a free, a a place to freely be gay or uh, be black or Hispanic and express yourself without fear of retaliation from, you know, anybody from the world. And that gets lost. So... There were also a lot of drugs, right? Uh, wow. Yeah, it was the set. That's fine. That's not even yeah, like totally. a problem. It's the seventies. Well, exactly. <laughs> um, if you listen to some disco tunes, you'll catch kind of what they were going for, which is uh, this sleek and sexy vibe. Like, consider uh, "I Feel Love" by Donna Summer. So part, the idea with this song was was literally to uh, make it sound like Donna is having a, uh, a sexual experience throughout. Mm. Uh, mission accomplished. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> and so these discotheques were uh, places to just let it, let yourself get loose. Uh, there was sex happening you know kind of in plain sight not on the dance floor generally but uh, you know in the darker corners of the clubs and it was uh you know it was a rowdy time this was a place of um rebellion that i think it's is totally lost today yes okay i that's exactly i i mean tim i knew that you would get to that point and you got to it beautifully um <laughs> but I was waiting for you to get to that point mm-hmm. because that really is like the crux there. These discotheques uh, were like, I mean, I don't want to say dangerous places because that's not sure. really true. But they were they were dark and seedy and and mm-hmm. uh, wild and and drug fueled and sex fueled and it was not like there were so many like just rough edges in that sense to disco and it has been i mean fully probably whitewashed in in our in you know the popular memory right yeah like and and it it, because it wasn't overtly political in the Mm -hmm. sense that well let's say the songs themselves were i'm gonna say never overtly political yeah absolutely that's right it was it was about feeling good (laughs) Yeah, Very none literally. Of these, none of these songs are about Nixon. <laughs> no, right. And so it, so the, the music itself, them, and also because it was so slick and shiny and, and perhaps in, in some people's, well, in a lot of people's minds, overproduced, yeah. uh, it was um, easy to sort of either hate it Mm-hmm. Or uh, just fully ignore it, you know? And mm-hmm. hey, it's not everybody's bag, fine. But the culture surrounding it was absolutely political. I mean, how can yeah. it not be 
if your the demographic is minorities, which was the whole demographic. That's totally right, pal. You got it. Um, these were sanctuaries for people who just wanted to be themselves. And it coincides with the gay liberation movement and um, kind of key moments in the black power movement. And so you have all of that converging on the dance floor, baby, which is crazy to think about in a way. Well, yeah. Like what a wonder, you know, what a what a scene for these cultural powers to uh, to occupy. The time has come for me. Meanwhile, man, I think it's important now that we bring in the other key character here, and that, that's rock and roll. Rock and roll, pal. Yeah. Oh, I I love me some good, some good (laughs) rock and roll. It just, it's testosterone. Mm -hmm. It's electric guitars uh, through a distortion pedal it's it's just way better than disco isn't it Tim it is way better than disco it's way better yes we don't want to dance we want to rock <laughs> At the same time that disco is on the rise and all over the charts, so are guys like AC and DC. Mm-hmm. So the brothers AC DC. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so is Kiss. So is Queen. Uh, the Who, Led Zeppelin, all the, all the rock and roll yeah. staples, baby. Yeah. Man, oh, you say those names, and I, uh, yeah, <laughs> I've I've become my father. I love to go to the state fair and mm-hmm. see the bands that are those bands, but a lot of them are dead, and so mm-hmm. they're a little different. But that's for me, man. That's that blows Gloria Gaynor out of the water. Man, there's you know? nothing quite like going to the. State fairgrounds in Minot, North Dakota, <laughs> and seeing Def Leppard, the surviving members of Def Leppard, perform all their hits about uh, four scale degrees down <laughs> because they can't hit the high notes anymore, and maybe just oh. a little slower than they used to. Yeah. And nothing rocks harder than that. That's right. 10 p.m., man. I've got... I've got you know, my sixth plastic cup of bush light. I'm wearing a baseball cap. Uh, I, a lot of my friends from high school are here. I see them in the crowd, but I don't make eye contact. <laughs> <laughs> and there's Def Leppard rocking and rolling up on stage. So cool. So cool. It's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
Okay, let's get back on track. <laughs> well, I think we've been on track that whole time, but I, uh, yes, we digress. <laughs> we rhapsodize. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think the Tylenol's kicking in. My fever's going down. Okay. Um, rock, baby. 70s rock is yes. also a big deal at the, at the same time throughout this decade. And it's, I mean, it's so different, right, Matt? It's so different from disco in terms of vibe. Just strictly thinking tunes here. Yeah, I mean, thinking tunes. Right. Very different vibes. And it attracted a uh, different demographic of fan. Let's call them white. white. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Really good. I'm glad we were able to land that one. Uh, <laughs> I looked out this morning and the sun was gone. Turned on some music to start my day. Yes, they were. They absolutely were. Uh, because mm-hmm. rock uh, at that time, I mean, heck, rock, yeah, we think it's white, right? And, I mean, it, it basically is. But yeah. Disco Man... Disco was extremely black. Like yeah, the the totally. heavy hitters, the top sellers, the chart toppers, they uh there were they were mostly black. And of course, mm-hmm. you know, their fans were not they just weren't quite as white as those rock and roll fans. Yeah, it's and it's kind of interesting to consider that rock and roll definitely didn't start white. Um, yeah, but boy, it sure got white along the way. <laughs> you know, a lot of things are like that. I think yeah, that's right. <laughs> Can't solve um, that. Sorry, let's move it, on. Kind of in the way that uh, Marvel and DC fans rib each other today. Mm-hmm. No, not at all. Like this, actually. <laughs> um, it's very similar. <laughs> a fun thing to do if you were a rock and roll guy was to be like disco sucks yeah they made they made like bumper stickers and t-shirts and, right and perhaps wear t-shirts to that effect yes <laughs> to that exact effect yeah so right part of the part of the fun social experience of being a big zeppelin head was saying wow donna summer earth wind and fire this stuff is the worst i hate it and I probably hate the people listening to it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, people making it, listening to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, there's a there's a charitable read of that, Tim. I think, yeah, um, which I don't really think we need to give much credence to, but it's you know easy it's enough. Worth to, saying. Well, here's my thing. I, to, you know, when it gets down to it, I probably have more rock CDs than I have disco CDs. Right. Sure. Uh, mm-hmm. That's that's. It is different music, and you gravitate towards what you gravitate towards. So that's right. Uh, I, I, it's fine, and I guess cool at the time to like whatever you liked. But uh, yes, you know the issue was, of course, that not only did they love rock and roll, but they hated disco, and they wanted to do something about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I think it's unfair to paint every rock and roll fan. Uh, with the same broad brush. As a skinhead, uh, yeah. Right, right. I don't want to do that. 
you know, just in the way that I don't really care for country music today and other people do, I, you know, it doesn't necessarily, you know, yeah, it yeah, does yeah. not say everything about you. What <laughs> right. kind of music, right. That's the kind fine. of music you listen to doesn't say everything about who you are and <laughs> what you believe. So all of that said, along comes a guy, Steve Dahl, Matt. I thought you were going to say Jesus Christ. <laughs> Yep, no, different guy. Steve Dahl. Steve Dahl, who is a DJ, uh, radio DJ, who loves rock. And he, and you know, in the way that a DJ must, kind of egged on his listeners and came up with this great idea a few months after uh, the station that he was working for converted to an all-disco station. <laughs> He said, I have an idea, gang. Why don't we all burn our disco records together? And uh, he concocted this uh, this thing that is now known as Disco Demolition Night. Mm, um, and There we and, go. And here's the reel you're wrong about, Matt. Uh, I have, I until very recently... Kind of thought Disco Demolition Night was a a silly thing, just just sort of a, a uh, an oddity of history, mm-hmm. you know. And it is, it is, it's but, definitely odd. But you're wrong about. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I'm super wrong about. That's man. our catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> so, Matt. What happens on Disco Demolition Night, and what and what's going on here? What happened was, in uh, the summer of 1979, um, in Comiskey Park in Chicago, yeah, Steve Dahl, right, uh, who you <coughs> just told us about, he uh, went there with all those fans, all those rock music fans. Yeah. And and what it really so what it really and by the way by the way if you love rock you love baseball <laughs> you were going there anyway I mean <laughs> they were just passing through so why not <laughs> okay so what yeah because actually that's yeah it actually was like a, a major league baseball promotion. Right, so it was. Yeah, it well, was, this happened. Am, am I right? During a uh, a White Sox game. Yeah, <laughs> between games. Okay, uh, of that's like a, right. A doubleheader. Yeah, but that's right. Um, but that's literally all I know about baseball. So, uh, <laughs> yes. Anyway, he goes there um, and has all his rock and roll minions come, and I guess they're excited uh, to to burn or explode or whatever these disco records, right? Um, yeah, I think you got in at a discount or, or for free or something if you brought a record. Yes, uh, which is sort of great because you did have to buy those records, so uh, you did help <laughs> right. out those artists quite a bit, um, even yeah, exactly. if you did blow them up. Man, so- I hate Cool and the Gang. I need to go buy one of their records. <laughs> There's just... <laughs> At at Borders, at the 1970s uh, version of Borders booksellers and music sellers, there's just a line of rock and roll heads just holding their Donna Summer albums. I got a big night tonight. Are you guys going to that too? Yeah, we're all going. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> so 
<laughs> anyway, the, people were assuming that there would be about roughly 20,000 people there, right? And there were usually, at these games, there were around 15,000. But in this case, uh, 50,000 people. Uh, most of them, uh, you know, Steve Dahl's uh, fans. The doll heads. Yeah, yeah. doll heads. They just, I mean, they came and they kept coming. Like there were thousands more uh, after everything had started who were like mm -hmm. milling around, trying to get in, trying to sneak in. Um, it went very bad. Between games at tonight's doubleheader, a local disc jockey blew up disco records in center field. And a crowd responded by rushing the field. Police moved in, and it took them a considerable amount of time. A bonfire had been built in the middle of center field. The event kind of got rowdy. It got, well, it got really rowdy, actually. What happened is people stormed the field. They have to cancel the second game of this doubleheader because it's just pure chaos. Uh, people are getting injured. Um you know, it just it it devolves into uh, just total mindless uh, violence and disco hating chaos. And what I what I think is so interesting and and telling about this event is that so of course it 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 devolved into sort of a disaster, but it worked so well. Yeah, uh, like. They Crazy. did. They did. They did what they set out to do, and symbolically and in reality, sort of killed disco. Like, yeah. After after this de disco demo demolition, I mean, it was in the news. You know, all all the papers and sure. uh, and people were mad, not like at Steve Dahl really, and not at um, Major League Baseball really. They were just like mad at disco, mm -hmm. uh, which is so funny to me. But also, uh, again, mission accomplished, Steve. Like that's you. You uh, did exactly what you wanted, and that's that's sort of amazing to me that it that it worked so well. It's pretty incredible, right? After this, if you if you take disco demolition night as sort of the dividing line before and after, after that. The Bee Gees had one number one hit. Mm -hmm. You know, they, and that's just one example of many. Uh, disco just vanished from the charts, basically, after this, very quickly. So, the thing that I was wrong about is, uh, apparently, people who were there have been interviewed after the fact. Stadium employees who were letting people in and making sure they had a record so they could get in for 98 cents, say that it was not just disco records being burned, it was just black musicians in many cases. Kind of, The whole point got a little bit muddy, mm -hmm. um, and some of the more uh, bigoted folks in the crowd, you know, had a, had a really great time. This gets to the legacy of why did disco vanish? Folks who look back at this say the culture, with a capital C, kind of 
broadly rejected this music in part because its key audience was so diverse and not just diverse, but like we described these discotheques, you know, it was kind of in defiance of what would become Reagan's America, right? Mm, yep, yep. Because it's 1979. The next year, Ronald Reagan becomes president. It's coming, yeah. yeah. Because, that, I mean, then then we're in the 80s. I mean, yeah. in I guess literally and also, as we now know, culturally. Like, that was a different thing. And mm-hmm. and so, yeah, I think that's a very... Well, it's an interesting question, kind of what, what killed disco. But it's also not that interesting because it's sort of stupidly obvious, right? Because yeah. the White Sox did not... <laughs> decide <laughs> that America was done with disco. If 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 America had no. backlashed the other way and said, now we're going to support disco, which I think is maybe what would have happened like today, mm-hmm. <laughs> then uh, disco would have continued going strong through the 80s and whatever. Um, so, of course, that in itself wasn't the, the reason. But it did probably, I mean, well, it d- definitely hastened its its end and mm-hmm. and more uh, broadly like was an expression of that rejection by the american public of this kind of music and this kind of lifestyle i've been thinking about our interview with hollywood steve huey pal and he brought up you know the yacht rock movement that that he is so obsessed with um has a lot of these hyper-talented black musicians, right? And he he outright mentioned the resegregation of the pop music charts that happened after Disco Demolition Night. Uh-huh. It kind of became this excuse to make sure the charts got uh, nice and pale, you know? Yep. Yacht Rock, which is definitely not you know, which is vastly different from the 70s hits of like ACDC and Aerosmith and Boston and all this, right? Became kind of this refuge for talented black studio musicians mm. to keep doing their thing yep. in a way that the public was willing to swallow. It's really interesting to, yeah. to think about. No, that's, how, that's fascinating, yeah. How that all, how they kind of fled from disco when it stopped making them any money and they found found work with steely dan basically yeah wow uh not to not to joe rogan you here tim but that is something i hadn't really thought about and is extremely interesting well pal that's what i'm here to do is blow minds just like joe rogan (laughs) well i guess his guests right nothing nothing like having a guest on who just knocks (laughs) Knocks you right lights up your world. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I live for it, man. I live for it. Holy cow. Yeah. And now, disco, well, is A, having what I don't really want to call a comeback. The, The. the sounds of disco um, are popular again because it's all so danceable, right? Yep. Did a full 180 crazy thinking about the way 
of modern dance music borrows heavily from disco. And you have artists like Daft Punk, who we'll discuss a little bit uh, in more detail in a little bit, um, trying to authentically recreate the sound of disco by bringing in actual disco musicians. But the culture of disco, and in my opinion, you can't uh, uncouple mm. the culture from the music. Well, you can try really hard, but I think you're well, right. Well, you can try really hard, but it, but you won't get something that's actually yep. authentic. Yep. Disco never came back, and it never will, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, because the specific moment in time that allowed disco music to thrive was so unique to the 1970s yep. that it, uh, you know, I think it is worthy of considering in that context. Um, now it's kind of fun to just, I, I think, be like, oh, disco, I hate disco, or I think disco's cool. But when people say that today, they're not considering the political and socioeconomic and racial climate mm-hmm. um that was baked into all this stuff. It's just kind of like, do I want to wear bell-bottom pants or not? Right, yeah. No, exactly. I think that's very well um, thought through, Tim. I'm not surprised. Um, (laughs) But but really, that, like, disco is not... It can't come back. You know, not (laughs) not really. And, of course, you know, when we're talking about this... We we love talking about the tunes, right? And so, yeah, tu- yeah. tune wise, um, sure, disco can can come and go as it pleases. Uh, Daft mm-hmm. Punk can uh, record random access memories. Bruno Mars can record treasure, etc., uh, yep. etc. Et <clears throat> and we can we can get back into those sounds and those vibes as we see fit. But but you can't divorce the tunes from everything you said Tim and and arrive at like actual disco so um, yeah that's that's a, a moment in history that can't I mean it's, it simply cannot come back to return to the point that we started at the cultural significance and context of this stuff just washes away entirely. You know, anybody can listen to Chic or the Bee Gees or ABBA uh, and the Village People. I mean, the Village People, man. Like, the song YMCA. (laughs) Yeah. You... (laughs) That is not, that's not it's not like a party wedding song. I mean it is, no. but it simply is not. Read it. Yeah. Read the lyrics, guys. Listen to it. Yeah, exactly. But it doesn't matter anymore. No, exactly. Yep. Um and you honestly have to just go digging to learn what the deal was with all this stuff. And that's kind of a bummer. Like but I but I again, I think it's just the nature of the medium. If you like the sound of something and you're far enough removed from when and how it was created, the context by default will just go away. It doesn't, you don't yep. have to think about it anymore. Exactly. Um, and that, I just think Fortunate Son is a cool song, you know? <laughs> and I'm going to play Born in the USA at my uh, Republican rally. Yeah, bingo. Right. It, 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 it's so easy to lose that stuff. 
because it's not a you know it's not a book you're not forced to consider words in the way that uh, that you are with um, literature or even film you can just love the sound of the drums and wow that string section is really cool and I think I like disco now it, mm-hmm. it's really interesting and, and too bad but also totally understandable to me yeah I mean I think it's it's probably inevitable mm-hmm. I mean you know here's a fun teaser next week we're talking about punk rock yeah and uh, same thing you know totally we'll get there but <sighs> yeah Wow, Tim, you blew my mind. <laughs> the Joe Rogan experience will continue in a moment. I'm sure I can help you today. It's fun to stay at the YMCA. It's fun to stay at the YMCA. They have This episode of Ear Buddies is brought to you by Borders. Smell that? Oh, that's the smell of a new book. <laughs> Matt, you know, people, <laughs> I know everybody talks about the smell of old books. <laughs> yeah, everybody does. <laughs> but I personally, I can't resist the smell of a brand new book. Tim, I know <laughs> what you mean, and it is so weird that people prefer those old ones because... Yeah, it's musty. <laughs> it doesn't... There's nothing romantic no. about that. Give me a fresh James oh. Patterson. Let me crack that open right down the middle. Hear the spine crunch a little bit and take a big whiff. Wow, oh. Tim, you are, this is like ASMR book reading here. We should start a YouTube channel or something. <laughs> Wow. Wow. And you can only get a book at a bookstore mm-hmm. or uh, any number of other places. <laughs> That's right. But <laughs> but why not a bookstore? That's, hey, it's right there in the name. <laughs> you go to the grocery store for your groceries. Go to the bookstore for your that books. That makes sense to me. <laughs> it makes sense to me. And if you're going to go to a bookstore, why not one of the 511... Borders Superstores across the Fruited Plain. Oh, wait, hold on. That was in 2010. Matt, ah. I see now that Borders went... Uh, they went Chapter 11. Chapter 11, <laughs> and then eventually Chapter 7. Okay. They're reading that book out of order. Uh, you must have gotten the wrong ad copy, or at least okay. opened an email extremely late. Um, yeah, but you know what? Uh, we're, we're, <laughs> we're here. Anyway. Let's just keep going. Um, Tim, you know what I love about Borders Group is that mm. they <laughs> is that they operated past tense five hundred and eleven right. Borders Superstores. But not only that, do, do you uh-huh. remember um, Walden Books? It rings a little bell. So a, sm- a small little bell. Walden Books. If you ever went to the Dis- Dakota Square Mall, 
um, there was a it, it, so Walden Books was a a shopping mall oh, based bookstore. That's right. Owned by uh, <clears throat> uh, Borders, right? That's right. Okay, yeah. Yep. And Walden they books. and they yeah they used to exist and I would go there Tim I was a big a big uh, book head as a child <laughs> loved to read and I would go with my mom or my dad they were mm. both good parents uh, to <laughs> the mall yeah and <laughs> and we would walk into Walden Books. Uh, that's I, I always I just wanted to go two places, Tim. Walden Books and the pet store. The pet store simply to behold the animals, <laughs> and and Walden Books be, because I wanted to buy that new book in the Redwall series. Wow, the new the new Redwall just came out. I'm 11 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this otter with a sword on her back, and she's <laughs> she's sailing some type of sailing vessel, and she's fighting. Ferrets and rats and vermin. I uh-huh. cannot wait to see the very what's animals happen. that you were just admiring. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, Matt, you yeah. have um, you have brought a tear to my eye. It, <laughs> it is honestly thrilling, and uh, I mean, I feel like I'm sort of <laughs> beholding the face of God as I consider an 11 year old Matt just enjoying these simple pleasures of life. Yeah, and they were He doesn't need a Game Boy. No. He just wants to look at a ferret. <laughs> I did. Oh, I cannot tell you how many ferrets I beheld at that age. <laughs> All I was doing was beholding, beholding them. these these vermin essentially. I mean, and then I'd go to the zoo and see the otters, you know. Oh, stop. Anyway, um stop. It's that's this is that's too much and we are um <laughs> We are far afield from what we need to be talking we about. We certainly are. Borders, Tim, please, please continue. <laughs> Borders Bookstore. Listen, so what if you had to go belly up? And so what if Barnes & Noble acquired your trademarks and your customer list? Mm. That feels... Ugh. Yeah, ooh, it does feel. You did a service to an 11-year-old boy in Minot, <laughs> North Dakota. You hear me, Borders Group? You did something special. And I know you're not doing it anymore. I know that, uh, you know, you got your little payout, you got your golden parachute, and you sailed down to some private island where you could uh, relax for the rest of your long life. But before that, you did something really important, and that is inspire a young man to read. Mm -hmm. Isn't that... Isn't that important? You know, can we really put a price on that? Can we really take that to bankruptcy court? Well, certainly. The joy of a well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, you can, yeah, yeah. Well, and and, and yeah, and you 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 did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Tim, your point stands. I mean, that giving children and adults access to books. And selling them at a reasonable price for yes. a reasonable amount of time, mm-hmm. uh, even though your former CEO was a big cigarette guy, um, 
That's really not something that is in the ad copy, so there's no need to mention it. No, but it's fine that you did. Go on. It's, it is fine that I did because they don't exist anymore. Um, <laughs> Straight away. I don't care. Do? I don't even care a little bit that Bennett S. LeBeau purchased the fifth largest cigarette manufacturer in the United States. I didn't know that. I didn't know as an 11-year-old that I was funding tobacco money by buying the new Redwall books. Um, <laughs> how could you? How could I have? Look, everything is either big oil, big tobacco, or big pharma. I'm, you're going you're gonna to trip before too long, all right? I didn't know. I assume my parents didn't know. They don't even smoke, all right? It's not, mm-hmm. it's not on me. It's on Borders. It was on Bennett S. LeBeau. Anyway, yeah, I hope you're not carrying any any guilt over this, Matt. No, I'm clearly not. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm fine. And I finished the Redwall series, and it was great. <laughs> so <laughs> I just want to say to Borders, and heck, Bennett, if you're out there, yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind the cigarettes. I don't mind any, any of it. I'm just glad that those books... And others, I read more than just that, uh, were there for me at the time that I needed them. So, thank you. Yeah. And now, what do we have, Matt? We have Amazon. We have ugh, Bezos, the big... The big B. Kahuna. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a bigger B than Bennett. That's right. And we have a slightly smaller B and N. That's Barnes & Noble. Mm. And look... Perhaps Borders Group would have uh, stood the test of time if they had just given indie writers, un, uh, you know, unsigned writers uh, more of a chance. Give them a shot to climb the charts. See what happens. Uh, we didn't even have those in 2011. <laughs> That's right. We right, we just had we just had fanfic blogs. Yeah, we did. <laughs> anyway, and perhaps that's where it should have stayed. Doesn't matter. Ultimately, Barnes and Noble is still here for you, for your children, for your little eleven-year-old ferret-loving little little guy. <laughs> Show him a book. Give him. Give him a book. Give him. Show them a book. Show them a book first. Kids today, they'll be like, what is that? Is that a paper Game Boy? Exactly. Or uh, rather, <laughs> is that a paper right. PlayStation 5? Exactly. Is there, right, is there an Xbox game in there? Yeah, if I open up the cover, am I going to be able to find like a flash drive with the latest uh, Skyrim on it? And then, um, right, they'll be like, what the hell? Where is the, where is the disc? Yeah, there's no, there's, there's no USB port in this, Mom. But. Hey, it's a book. Do you know what will happen, Matt? As they're sifting through those pages, desperate to find the next Elder Scrolls game, <laughs> they're going to take a whiff. They're going to breathe in with their nose. They're yeah. going to smell oh, yeah, they are. that new book. And they're going to get addicted. Ugh. And they're going like to go on an adventure far greater than any that you could go through in the land of Morrowind or the kingdom of Tamriel. <laughs> Um, or the, the abbeys of Redwall, even better, because you can go outside the abbey of Redwall. <laughs> you can sail on the high seas, and you can Ta- <laughs> take a look. It's in a book. It's in a book. It's Borders Group. <laughs> Thank you.
Welcome back to Ear Buddies. Hey, pal. Hey, pal. You know, we don't do this one very often. Let's do a rehab clinic segment. Ooh, I remember those. That was a, a brilliant idea when we came up with it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know why we haven't done that many. Maybe maybe things are just fine and everyone's opinions were correct the first time. That's possible. That's possible. Maybe. That's maybe. Um, but I think you and I have both been picking up on a decidedly wrong opinion. Uh, just kind of bubble into the surface lately. Mm. And that is... The Daft Punk album Random Access Memories, released in 2013, wasn't that good. Hey, folks. That's That's what people are saying. Yeah. Hey, folks. It was that good. I mean, I don't know if I don't know if I have anything really more uh, scholarly or, or well thought out to say about it. But <laughs> well, listen, hey, it was that good, and you are hearing that rebuttal first here on Ear Buddies on uh-huh. this Monday. We're saying it first because Tim, you're right. I've I've seen talk like that bubbling up, a little bit of chatter, yeah, right? Yeah, because it's sort of about that time uh, in the the cycle of, um, I guess. Life, mm. in the life cycle, uh, where it's time for some reconsideration of of that particular classic album. Because that's a classic album. When that came out, you guys all loved it. That's or at right. least your older cousins and brothers did, <laughs> and sisters. Uh, it, Tim, I remember when this came out, you and I were living together. Yes. Weren't we? We were. Um, uh, as as. Friends, thank you. Right, pl- platonically, yeah, just yeah. just buds, just buds, and uh, <laughs> and that's and how it's always out. been. Just to be clear, just <laughs> buds, mean, right? No, it has, yeah, so far. So anyway, yeah. uh, it came out, and Tim, you lost your tiny little mind, oh, didn't you? Good lord, my little marble brain, I shattered into a million pieces. Couldn't believe, and uh, how uh, I spent my teens and early twenties. As one of those uh, sheeple, Matt, who just thought funk and disco was awesome, purely for the tunes, no context, devoid of context mm-hmm. or cultural consideration, I just loved these vibes. With the sheep. And so when I heard that uh, electronic duo Daft Punk was going to make a disco record, and when I heard that first single, Get Lucky, featuring Pharrell and Nile Rodgers... Ooh. Holy cow. Song of the summer right there. Oh, couldn't believe what I was hearing. Amazing stuff. This is, I think you have to admire what Daft Punk did here because, you know, they made their hay doing techno blips and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Harder, better, faster, stronger. Absolutely. Blue Daba Dida. I'm just kidding. And... Um, <laughs> And so to pivot the way they did uh, into disco explicitly, say, we're going to make a disco record. We're going to have pretty much no synths except synths like programmed by Giorgio Moroder, who is like 
the father of both like synthesized music and disco in many ways um, and create as as pedigreed and authentic a record as we can bring Nile Rodgers back into the studio for the first time in God knows how long and have him play his guitar the way he does that rocks I think it's really a cool project and it was well executed Has no yeah, it, it had it had absolutely the right people behind it. Like, I mean, kind of the biggest people behind it. Yeah. For that particular uh, genre and homage and and release, uh, I I mean, you can you can quibble, I suppose, if you must. But uh, for the most part, uh, smashing success. Yeah, and a a diverse album. I mean, there is a lot going on here. And the reason they do this, by the way, is not just for fun. They, you know, Daft Punk recognizes that electronica and techno music owes pretty much everything to disco. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't exist if it hadn't been for the four on the floor drum beat uh, and sort of the perfect uh, foundation of danceability that uh, that disco created. That's yep. You know, that's the foundation of techno music too. It's just packed with good tunes. I immediately reject any anyone who says that there's something wrong with this album. There's nothing wrong. Get it's, behind me, Satan. Thank you. Exactly, bro. Do you remember the song "Touch"? I do. Touch. I remember touch Pictures came with touch A painter in my mind Tell me what you see I listened to this album a lot, too, because you were listening to it a lot. Featuring Paul Williams, the guy who wrote The Rainbow Connection? (laughs) That's the one. You gotta be kidding me. That's the best. They interviewed Giorgio Moradere and, like, asked him how he came up with like synth sounds and you know it's it's really cool it's a uh, it is it's it's nice stuff it still sounds like a daft punk album um you know those two dudes they didn't take off their helmets for this one Mm-mm. <laughs> and that's important no they 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 didn't and uh and they never will but but yeah tim it, it's it's good it's just good tunes yeah it's clearly uh it's respectful to the point of getting some of the godfathers of disco on some of these tracks mm. right like they they get it they know what they're doing and yeah i guess i suppose we're just saying that when before too long the uh the bubble bursts and the discourse begins about how we all thought this was good because we were young and stupid yeah uh, let's not let's not get too big for our britches here. Let's let's understand that um, sometimes when you revisit something, it still is good because mm-hmm. it always has been. So you may refer any naysayers, any objectors to this episode, episode forty something of Ear Buddies. Yes. Okay, that's the one. Tell them it's in the forties. <laughs> that's the one they're going to probably, listen to. Yeah, disco is in the title. That will help. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's the one. Yeah. Sometimes 
Something that's good actually is just good. Mm-hmm. Yep, we've got to admit that to ourselves. And you don't Sometimes have to... That's, right. You don't always have to ask, on the other hand, what if it's not? Sometimes, Tim, there is no other hand. Perfectly. Perfectly stated. Fiddler on the roof. Perfectly <laughs> stated. Yeah, as usual. You know me. You know Maddie. Hey, we all know Maddie. You know, who day and night must... No, I can't do it. Um... <laughs> Tim... Hey, you know when you can you can kind of feel an episode coming to its natural conclusion? Yeah, I think we gotta cut this one. We gotta cut this one off. <laughs> uh, well, hey, I've had a good time with you today. Hey, hey, pal, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> I'll talk to you later, buddy. Oh.